This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I think Noah Lyles is going to have a problem with that intro. And uh, as always, he's somewhere off the coast of Massachusetts. We have Mike Jenner. Mike, how you doing? Well, Steve, it's uh, it's that time of year finally. Today was the first day that it felt a little crisp in the air, so that's good. We got a, a hurricane barreling down on us, so it's fall. It's cross-country seam. It's sloppy weather season which is a good thing because it's been like 95 degrees for the last like two weeks. Um, but but we're here. It's football season. We watched a Patriots game last weekend. Like it's it. We talk about this every year. We'll have the same conversation every year for the rest of our lives. It's just like it, it's it's a good time to be alive. Mike, I have my window open. I have a hoodie on. The crisp, cool fall air is pouring in. I hear this is the best part, Mike. This is the best part. I hear the football stadium off in the distance announcing the football game, the Friday night lights football game. And I'll even do you one better, Mike. I did something today. So I had to drop something off uh, at the uh, with with the, one of the coaches, uh, Coach uh, Coach Nick. Lowell High Cross Country Coach uh, Coach Nick McArdle. I had to drop something off uh, to him today. And I ran with the team today the Lowell High cross country team. And let me tell you, Mike, there is nothing that like brings you back, gets you in the fall cross country mode than being around the Lowell High cross country team. And it's like, it's a very unique program. It's a very, obviously it's a, we know it's a very unique school, but it, it has a very unique type of athlete. And um, anybody knows they they're they're dominant. You know they've had this unbeaten dual meet streak that extends back a decade now. Um, several state championships uh, in, in that time, but man, it was like hitting the refresh button. You know there wasn't a there wasn't a uh, a Garmin watch in sight. Nobody was <laughs> uploading anything to Strava. Kids were running in basketball shorts. It was like going back. It was like going back to my roots. It so, was, I can't tell you how important it was for me today. A couple questions for you. First one is, yeah. how young did these kids seem to you, right? Because, like, it doesn't feel that long ago that, like, it, it felt like it was a, a big part of our world. But I can imagine going for a run with these kids, they must have felt like like children. Yeah, but, Mike, I've kind of gotten over that point in my life. Like, I think I told the story on the podcast a couple – it was a couple years ago. The kid across the street was, you know, playing football with his brother. And I was like, oh, you play for Lowell High? I was like, oh, I used to play football for Lowell High. And he asked what year I graduated. And I said, oh, six. And he goes, oh, that was a long time ago. And I wanted to <laughs> strangle the kid, right? And so that was like – and, you know, there's moments of your life. There's moments to your life where you feel old, but that was like, I'm not kidding you. That was like a earth shattering moment um, where he was like, this high school kid was genuinely like, oh, wow, you're really old. <laughs> um, and so that, and then, you know, with the kids and everything, there's been a lot of things in my life that have just made me feel 
really, really old. So I'm kind of in, in some ways I'm kind of past the denial phase and I just accept the fact that I'm old and, and when I'm around high schoolers, they seem like babies. So yes, That's they fair. did seem like babies, but in a weird way, I was kind of prepared for it. Um, but yeah, no, we did the, I, uh, I'm also, go ahead. Mike. Oh, South Lowell. Yeah. No, I'm also wondering too, like, what was like the mid run, like conversation? Like, right. Was it, did it, did it bring you back to the old days or it's like, Oh man, like we, they're, they're yakking it out just like we used to. Or were you like, I don't understand a single thing that these people are saying right now. Mike, you're going to love this. You are going to love this. And I don't, I think it's something specific to Lowell High. I don't know. I don't know if you see this at in other programs. And yes, there was some slang being thrown around where I had no idea what it meant. But 90% of the conversation on the run was shitting on the coaches. They that, were just I mean, that's that's they yeah. were just making fun of Nick the entire time. And that was like that's all we did in high school. <laughs> we yeah. just made one. And it's in a, in a very loving and endearing way, but it was just like, I'm, this is, this is all we did every single run. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. All right, good. I'm glad to hear that. I was, does I was that really... not warm your heart? Does it that... does. <laughs> when I, when I asked that question, I was hoping that you would give me some semblance of like, Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Like it brought me right back to, to where we were. It's like the more things change, the more they say the same. And that's, yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. I, I loved it so much. And I even asked, I was like, listen, I can't, I can't help like a lot, but I can be consistent with what I can help with. And so I, I talked with Nick. I actually, I was texting with the, you know, the head coach there, Scotty. And I think I'm going to help out. I'm going to try to help out like regularly, which is pretty cool. It was like that refreshing being there. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. It was just like, it was, it was, it was, it was like, yeah, I, I can't tell you. It was just like hitting the reset button on button on my running for me. Beautiful. So, yeah. Um yeah, so uh, we got we got a lot to talk about. I don't even know. I don't even know where we start. I don't even know where we start either. Uh we I mean we didn't we we didn't we had we had a big we had a big um uh you know mid worlds episode which people loved. Um, but life has just been so busy where we haven't been able to um, we haven't been able to kind of catch up and, and talk post world. So we got some worlds cleanup to talk about. Some stuff has happened since then. But I think since we're we're on our personal topics, I think we need to talk about what we did last weekend. Was it yeah. last week? Yeah, or was it two weekends ago? Uh, Shit, it was two weekends ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay, okay. It was well, two weekends we ago. Talk about it. Yeah. So we went to the J Peak trail running festival and um for those of you that aren't familiar with jp if you're not from this region of the country it's a uh, ski resort that is way up in vermont it's like 20 minutes south of canada it is jp is known for being like an old school ski resort even though it's had a ton of uh you know upgrades and renovations over the past decade or so more than decade past two decades um but it's kind of seen as this like hidden gem tucked away and in, in, in at the top of New England. And um, it's also known for having like incredible snow. It's known for having like the best snow in the East Coast, but brutal, brutal like conditions, brutal cold, brutal wind. Um, you know, when, whenever you're up at the top of that mountain, you can expect the worst possible conditions you can imagine. But 
that's the price you pay for having the snow. But in the summertime, you know, obviously it's, it's a, you know, they do things to make it a summer resort. They got a beautiful golf course. They got a water park. They got all this stuff. Um, uh, but, and then every, every single year, every single Labor Day, they host this trail running festival. And it's a really cool festival because on the Saturday of the trail running festival, they do three different 5Ks. They do a black diamond, blue square, green circle, and they kind of, you know, correlate to the difficulty of those in the, in the, in the three different um, 5Ks. And then on Sunday, they do an ultra. So you can either do, they have an 11 mile loop, which goes up the mountain and down the mountain. You can do it twice or you can do it three times. Um, and so it's all types of crazies that do it twice. I can't imagine doing it three times. I can't even imagine doing it twice, but um, doing three times. And, and during the course of that 11 miles, you do 3,500 feet of elevation gain. So anyways, it you know we went up with the whole family. And the beautiful thing about it was, is everybody could run a race. Like we all have, we have little kids. And so the kids always need to be watched, but everybody was like doing different races and, you know, taking turns, watching the kids kind of hanging out at the, you know, at the base lodge. It was just a, it was a, and it was a beautiful weekend. It was a really, really cool running event. And so on Saturday, uh, Mike did one of the five Ks. He did one of the harder ones. I did the green circle. And then on Sunday I did the 11 mile race up the mountain. So Mike, that was kind of setting the stage. What do you got to say about this? Uh, I mean, Obviously, my experience was a lot different than yours. I think the 11 miler, we'll have a lot to talk about there. But the the race I did, so it was the hardest 5K. And I mean, it, it was just not a 5K, right? Like it's, you think about like going to run a 5K, like getting on the roads, like going there, plug it along. Like that's just not what this was at all. Like at, at one point, I, I looked around me when we're we're going up like this crazy steep portion. It's like there wasn't a, a single person running within, you know, a, a half mile of me. And I was, you know, with the with the leaders at this point. Uh it, it's it's just a different world than I've ever been used to. Um and I think you you've alluded to this, Steve. It's a world that I think I I could get into and I a world I could enjoy doing if I like put the time and energy and effort into it but I certainly wasn't mentally prepared for the different type of racing that comes with trail running or or, or just even like the different culture and environment that comes with trail racing because it's 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 really not this world that we're used to where it's just like you can always fight it out harder than the person next to you. And if you're willing to go to that next level of like hurt, then you can fight it out with the person next to you. It's just it, this world of trail running just doesn't feel like that. It It's a whole different culture than the, the road racing uh, world which I think makes a lot of sense to me. Like when I, when I meet trail runners and like the type of people who do trail running, who kind of this like hippie dippy, like kind of just out there for the love of the sport type of feel. Now that I've gotten like, and I've, I've only gotten a, a, a fraction of it compared to what you did, but now that I've gotten a fraction of it. It's like, wow, it, it kind of makes sense of like the type of person who's attracted to, to this type of type of racing. But yeah, I mean, it was different. It was different. Um, 
who knows who who knows if it's something I will continue to explore but yeah it, you have to you have to do a mental switch for sure to to participate in this type of race yeah yeah and you know I'm going to do it I think I'm I want to do it again next year um it was yeah, like so the 11 mile race it kicks off and we're going up this you know really steep kind of gravel gravel like harsh gravel road um and you know i'm being kind of conservative just because the reason i'm doing this i i have my i'm drinking i'm i'm on the the non-alcoholic guinness kick again mike i got my marathon a month today as of this recording a month away so i kind of did it as like a little bit of cross training you know i had an 18 mile run the week before i'm doing a 22 mile run on Sunday. So in two days, so I kind of, it was just kind of like, it was almost like an off week and I was like, I'm just going to take it easy and I'm just going to have fun with it. Um, but we're going up this like gravelly road. This was pretty steep incline. Um, and the, these two leaders go off and you could tell they're like badass trail runners. And so I'm in the chase pack and we're going up the, up this gravel road. And I'm like, this is hard, but I can do this. Like, this isn't that bad. And we were on it for maybe a little less than a mile. And I was like, you know what? I was like, you know, if, if it continues like this for another quarter mile, I'm going to go and I'm going to try to catch the leaders and run with them because like, I can do this. Like it's, it's very difficult, but it's, you know, it's, it's like a little tougher than road running. And like, right after I thought this, we took the sharp turn into the woods and we had to like jump down these rocks, jump over stream and into this super technical trail you know, climbing up the mountain. And uh, as soon as we did that, the group I was with, they're all like, boom, 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 right down the rocks and, and through the river. And I'm like slowly climbing down the rocks, trying not to roll an ankle. I don't want to slip on the log as I'm going over the stream. And I realized I was like, oh, you just just settle in for like a good time, not a fast time. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm plugging along and I'm, you know, I'm trekking up the mountain and I'm going up and these people are passing me and have no business passing me. Right. And I'm just like trying to stay positive and just, I'm, it's a beautiful scenery. It's a beautiful morning. I'm just trying to, you know, <laughs> for the most part, enjoy it. But you know, there's a little bit of, you know, competitive fire there. And, you know, you're just trying to, you know, you're trying to push yourself a little bit. And then you, you know, you do this, this extremely tough climb all the way to the top of the mountain. There's times where you're on your like hands and knees, like it's so steep trying to get up the rocks you're not running you know you're climbing up um and then you get up to the top and you start this steep descent and this was the part that blew my mind mike it's the part that i'm still having trouble understanding we get to the descent and you know it's no smooth roads like it's it's steep gravel it's it's, it's the it's the base of a of a ski trail right so it's it's pretty rough but for the most part compared to what we were just on <clears throat> excuse me it's relatively smooth in comparison to what we were just doing. Um, and I'm going down the hill and, you know, I'm going fast, but at the same time, you know, making sure I don't roll an ankle, making sure I don't fall down the, down the mountain. And these people come blasting by me, people that I, I would estimate I would beat in a 5k by a solid six to eight minutes. These people are blasting by me. <laughs> man, I, sorry, I did something stuck in my throat. 
And there was this one point where this, it must have been, she must have been like a 20-year-old girl, maybe even younger, just comes blasting by me on the downhill. And this is the part that really um, just kind of made me realize, like, this is a completely different sport, that these people were so much more effective and so much more efficient at running downhill. And it didn't really have anything to do with strength or fitness. They were just way more skilled at it than me. Yeah, and I think there's a part of it, too, where it's like, there's a skill to it, but also there was crazy steep downhills that I was going down where I just couldn't mentally let myself go. Right. I'm doing that thing where I'm like, kind of like you're, you're like chopping your step to like slow yourself down on every single step where there's people who just, I don't know. They have this mental ability to just be like, it's okay to just let yourself go downhill that's it but and, and, don't and, you think don't it, you think that takes practice I, oh it definitely takes practice and even with like my like chopped step to like slow myself down i still was like nervous every single step that i was gonna like destroy my ankle or like roll down the hill um i i just mentally yeah i don't know i couldn't convince myself that it was okay to just like barrel down the mountain um but yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it takes skill. I think it takes practice. But I think it's unlocking that, that I don't know, whatever, that just like convincing yourself that you don't have to hold back. You don't have to pound on your quads. It's like you can just run down the hill and you're going to be okay. Um, I don't know. I, and I don't know how you you get from where we are to, to, to that point. But I mean... Yeah, like think about it, Steve. If you could unlock that, right? It's like, okay, well, then you can, you know, you can get uphill with the best of them. As long as you can get uphill with the best of them, if you can unlock that ability to just like let go downhill, then boom, but, but you're right there. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, Mike. I enjoyed it and I enjoyed it to the point where like I want to do it again next year, but I don't have any interest in getting better at it. And I yeah, think this that's isn't part looking. Of it. Sorry, I get something stuck in my throat. I think that's part of trail running too, is just kind of enjoying it and being out that, there. And that's what I meant. Like when I was talking about like the type of person who's like really into trail running, it's like a completely different mindset than a, a road racer who it's like their motivations for being out there are pretty clear, right? It's, it is a competition. You're out there to win. You're out there to beat the guy next to you. I think legitimately a lot of these trail running fanatics, it's like, it's it's about more than that, which is which is something that you and I uh probably struggle with. It is not we could probably use a little bit more of in our life. And uh yeah, I guess it could probably be good for us to to let go, especially at this point in our life, right? Where it's like uh finding new things that can like still get get that competition um check that competition box but don't like not to the point where we're driving yourself crazy with it right i think it's it could be a positive thing yeah yeah and yeah no i i it, it, it's more of just kind of challenging yourself and i think that's kind of what what i'm realizing about that sport because it is it is a different sport and we've trashed it a lot in this podcast though. uh yeah that i was i was just <laughs> to say look at us look at us we've come along but you know it doesn't like I, I i still have a hard time like choosing that as my arena to to 
put my competitive energy as opposed to on the roads. Well, I think our argument against it was always like, and I think I still kind of believe this, right? Like the, we had a hard time like celebrating some of these like major accomplishments because we knew that when you put some of these folks on the road or on a track, they pale in comparison to their, you know what I mean? Like the best trail runner in the world would get smoked by the elite tracker or road runners. Like that's just like the truth. Um, so I think that was like our biggest criticism, but, uh, but I, I have, also... I have more respect now for like, yeah, the skill that goes into that because I, I, or previously I just assumed that if you're great on the track or the roads, it just takes a little bit of time, but you can do the same thing on the trails. I don't know if I believe that anymore. I think that there's a yeah. skill set specific to this that makes you good at it, which is the, it's a slight paradigm shift for me looking at the sport. I mean, I was, I, and I'll just, this is the last story. I was running with a guy and we were talking about how we're both training for a road marathon and he was training for New York and I'm training for a Bay state, which is in a month from now, New York's a couple weeks after it. And he's like, Oh, what's your goal? I was like, Oh, I just want to break three. And I was like, what's your goal? He's like, Oh, I just want to break four. <laughs> and he ended up beating me that day. And it's just, it's crazy. You know, it's just a different sport, man. But it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just not comparable. Yeah. Yeah, I would, uh, I would, and I'll tell you what, it's a great place to hang out. I would love to see some of the two crew up there next year. So I'm serious. I want to do it again next year. It's, it's like a big enough event that it's like worth getting group out there, but it's also like a small enough, like tight knit that like we could, we would take it over. Yeah. We could take it over if we wanted to. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Well, Hey, let, let's, uh, Hold on. Do I want to? Do we want to dive into worlds right now? Uh, oh, let's let's talk about one thing before we get into worlds. Let's talk about two things before we get into worlds. Okay. Uh, first is we because it, it's the most recent news. It's the most recent headline. But I just watched the uh, the pre pre classic diamond league event that's about to happen in Eugene, Oregon. And they were talking with Yar, our boy Yared Nagus, and they were talking with Jakob Ingebrigtsen. And they were talking about they Yared Nagus was asked a question about the American record and would he be able to go after it today? And, or at, at the at in his race coming up. <laughs> I'm gonna need to get a cough drop here in a second. My, my, my voice is going. Um, but Yared essentially said, if the race goes out at a certain pace, and he's talking about if the race or when the race goes out at a certain pace, and then Jakob says, he said, what are you talking about the race? Essentially saying, if I go out, because I'm the race, right? Which I have like, I have a couple different reactions to it. It makes me... Uh, Dislike Jakob as a fan, but love Jakob for who he's becoming and who he needs to be in the sport. Does that make sense? Yes. It makes me look at him. I'll say it this way. It makes me look at him as more of, of a rival, but the rival that I need to love the 1500. Yeah, and I agree with that, but it's like, here's the thing. It's like if, if Jakob 
is sitting at that podium as a world champion and freshly coming off a world championship, then that's the other piece. Then those comments, then it's like, okay, yeah, he's still kind of being a dick, but like, uh, you know, I, I can, we, we can't say anything. And like, and, and we would be sitting here like praising it and celebrating it as we should, because I think at its core, we love that stuff and I need that stuff, but it's like, it's hard for me to take, Jakob seriously right now where he's like still trying to put on that bad boy where it's like you just keep losing on the world stage and it doesn't it just something about it doesn't hit as hard when when you keep losing and the other argue I argue it hits harder it hits harder because if he was if he was just dominate 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 nobody can touch me then it's like it makes it more palatable a more palatable comment but where he just got beat at worlds it's like oh you're just a cocky motherfucker you know what i mean and it's just it makes you love to hate him and that's what we've always said we needed out of yakub we need a villain we need a villain in the sport and he's slowly morphing into that here's my other problem with it i feel like he's picking on poor nerdy quiet little (laughs) yakub like if that was josh sitting next to him he wouldn't have said that shit. I don't think he has the balls oh. to say that with Josh sitting next to him. But you got you got this like quiet, like everyone knows like what Yared's deal is, where he's like obviously not gonna fire back. Like he's the nice guy in the sport. He's just this like nerdy dude. Like he Jakob knew he could say that shit and and Yared wouldn't do anything about it. So it's like But that's what makes he's, it he's better. Kind of, he's kind he's, of picking he's on bullying the guy. him. He's bullying him, and he's doing it like in front of everybody. Like everybody's like, and everybody's like, "What the hell? Who the hell is this guy? What is he doing right now? He's bullying poor Yared Nagoose." Like maybe Josh is the the right example because like Josh just beat him, right? So he's got, but like let's say I don't know somebody of like the same caliber as Josh, or somebody who like would obviously talk back like Josh would. Like, do you think he says that in that position? No. No, he doesn't say that to Josh. Are you kidding me? That's what I'm saying. So it's like, so he's, that's what I mean. It makes him a true villain. It makes him a true villain that we want. I do. I do want it. Yeah. But I, yeah, I I guess it makes me start to like hate him, which is good. I think that's a good thing. But I was like on this fast track to like be all in on Jakob. And now I'm, in the last like two months have like completely shifted gears where it's like, this guy is the worst. What he's the worst, but he's the best, which I guess I get, is what you started by saying. It's like, well, Mike, I can't I stand I him right now, but I guess I think that's two what months we need. Ago, two months ago, we, we were saying we didn't have enough personality or enough information or just enough like context, about what's going on to have strong opinions. And yeah. I think that's that's the that's the problem. And I think we were at this point where it's like, well, do we just get all in on Jakob? Because like we don't have the ability to form opinions on these people and who they are as athletes off the track. And now we're gaining all this information and we are we are we have a much better or a much clearer view of who we want to be fans of and who we want to cheer for and who we don't want to cheer for. So I think that when I look back at that and I remember that time, it's like, do we just all just go crazy for Jakob 
and we didn't we were kind of like dipped our toe in the water but now we're at right now i think it's a very clear path for where we need to go as fans yeah but i want see that's the thing it's like the type of guy with Jakob's personality is the guy I want to root for. It just makes it hard to root for him when he's doing this stuff directly after getting his ass kicked. Like that makes it so much harder to root for a guy like that. And it makes him less likable. What about a guy like, what about a guy like Josh, right? Where he has a hint of that. Yeah. But he's just a stone cold killer out there. And since we're talking about Jakob and Josh, Let's talk about the Sidious Mag interview. Well, so now we're officially a podcast about a podcast, Mike. So it's good. It's good. Good right. place to be. But yeah. it was such a interesting interview. It was um, it was a really kind of honest and open conversation from Josh about like what he saw and what made him believe what made him believe in the fact that he could win that race. Um, and he was essentially saying that in the prelims when Jakob was celebrating and you could even see it, you know, come down the home stretch in the, in the prelim, um, Jakob finished right ahead of Josh and Jakob's like pumping up the crowd celebrating and Josh like just smiles. He just, he just has a grin on his face. And he talked about that moment where he knew in that moment, that celebration, that kind of animation from Jakob coming across the finish line in a prelim, was coming from a place of insecurity. And he didn't necessarily know what that insecurity was. Was it that he didn't feel like the center of attention? Did he feel sick? Did he not feel like 100% in terms of his ability as a runner? But he said he pointed to other other situations where he's seen that out of Jakob. And he even pointed to situations where he's seen that out of himself. Yeah. He's saying, when I'm celebrating like that in that situation, I can, I can, I can be... Uh, self-aware enough to know that that's coming from a place of insecurity. And he said that that's kind of what was the last piece that he needed to believe in himself that he could win the world championship, which hearing that come out of a guy like Josh's mouth, it, I think it's, it's one of like the coolest, most interesting interviews I've heard from somebody in this sport. Yeah. And I think exactly the part you're talking about there, Steve, where it's like, when he was referring to like the times that he's done it and that he um, can almost sense that it's like overcompensating, right? It's like, it's like you're trying to convince yourself that you're in better shape than you are, or like you, you have more confidence than you do where it's like, okay, like the times when Josh or Jakob, truly feels confident and and knows that they can't be beat. They go out there and they take care of business period. But when Josh is saying, it's like when I'm out there, like doing wacky stuff in the semifinals, it's like, it's almost like I'm trying to convince myself that like, you know, I'm, I'm something that I'm not right now, which is, um, I guess a whole different perspective than we've ever thought about it before. Right. Cause we talked about it the same way with the Jakob celebration, right? It's like if Jakob celebrates and does that thing in the semis and then goes on and wins the championship, then we're sitting here talking about how badass that is and how awesome that is. If, but the other way around, if you come back and lose, then it's like a whole different story, right? So 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It it it, it kind of it it's a different way of thinking about it than I ever would have looked at it before. Yeah, it's um it's a, it's a very interesting perspective and kind of look at at something like the celebration and it's something that I'm going to look for more often now because I think Josh brings up an amazing point with that. And it's in also I've kind of looked back at times in my own life when I may have done that and I kind of agree, you know, um and I'm going to be looking for it or looking for the urge to do it in the future. And if I am, I'm going to be like, Hey, is this coming? Where's this coming from? Why do I want to celebrate in the, why do I want to pump the crowd up in the first 5k of a half marathon or or something like that? So, um, a very interesting take from Josh. Um, Josh is a very insightful guy and it's why he's one of our favorite athletes. And I will tell you, we are in the process of getting him on the podcast soon. So hopefully not, hopefully next episode. And if not next episode, um, shortly after that, I, I, I'm, I'm very confident in that. So you can expect uh, a world championship on the mic, uh, on the mic soon. Um, Steve, before, before we move off that, I think the one thing Jakob can do to get me back is in the next, you know, uh, world stage, go out, celebrate in the semifinal purposely right like almost as a shot like celebrate in, in the semifinals and then come back and win it right if it was like an intentional thing to be like you know a, a shot back at josh like oh yeah 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 how insecure am i now and then come back and win it that might change my mind yeah that that's what i need to happen i don't know i'm ready to accept him as the villain in the sport <laughs> I can't believe it's taken this long to get here, but we got to have the conversation about somebody that has been, I don't want to call him a villain. No, 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 no. Some basketball players think he's uh, some sort of a villain or whatever. I don't know, but we got to address the Noah Lyles comments about saying that he sees the NBA players and NFL player. I don't even know if he said NFL, but I know he specifically said NBA players with world champion on their hats. And he says, world champion or what? Right. And I don't know, man, like I I've talked about this with so many people and I've kind of had like a lot of different opinions. And part of me is just sick of talking about it. Um, just because I'm, I'm annoyed by it. I'll, I'll, I'll lay out my thoughts on this briefly here, just because I've talked about it with a lot of people like so much over the past couple weeks. Um, the the comments were obviously driven from a place of trying to get eyeballs and earballs. Um, he has the Netflix show, so he may have been even fed this by by a Netflix producer to try and get him to say it. Um, and I just want to because. I'm going to sound kind of negative right now. And I just want to say Noah Lyles is one of my favorite people in the sport. He was even before the double world championships. We've said on this podcast many times, Noah Lyles is the most important person in the sport. And he proved it at this world championships. And so he did this and he, I, he got people to pay attention that weren't paying attention. And, um, Everybody's calling it or the people that are on his side, the tr- like there's a lot of track nerds that are 
calling him a calculating marketing genius and all this stuff. And my whole thing with this is the dude just won double gold and he did it in a way that was kind of unprecedented. And he did it in people's faces that's that were convinced he wasn't going to be able to do it. He shocked the world. The dude's the fastest man in the world in the 100, 200 meters. It hasn't happened since Usain Bolt. And my whole thing is like, I hate the fact that we have to talk about it. I hate the fact that this is the storyline. This is the storyline mm-hmm. coming out of worlds that most people in are talking about. All right. If you wanted to get people to pay attention to the sport, you did it, but you did it in the wrong way. They're like hate paying attention to the sport. You you have you have people you have basketball fans across the country that don't give a shit about track and field that are being like, what is this loser saying? Which instead we should be promoting the fact that this dude just won double gold, right? This dude is kind of this dude is doing something that hasn't been done since Usain Bolt. That's friggin' awesome. Not only that, he's the most charismatic, he's the most interesting, he's the most like likable person. To, to be the person to to kind of walk away with double gold, that's what we should be promoting. And yes, you might get less eyeballs on it, but if you focus on that piece, you're going to get more sustained eyeballs. You're going to get better eyeballs. You're not going to get the people that might just tune in in hopes that Noah Lyles loses his next 100 meters and then tune out and forget forever. So like, I get it. I get the Netflix show that they're doing. I get the fact that this was this was calculated. I'm my whole thing is it's like not only did we not need to do this, but this is the wrong type of attention that we're bringing to the sport, right? I just it makes us seem it makes the sport seem lame. It makes our sport seem like losers. Instead, it should be like, look at this friggin' awesome guy, right? If you're not paying attention to what this dude is doing, he just shocked the world. And we got an Olympics coming up, and this is going to be one of the most compelling. Like, that's the type of attention we should be getting. You know what I mean, Mike? I I hear what you're saying, but I kind of had a different view. Like, I know people want to, like, jump to, like, oh, this is calculated, and this, like... Coming from like a Tom Brady fan, right? Like I know as like a Patriots fan, we take every opportunity to jump on every single thing that Tom Brady ever did to be like, oh, look at the way he threw that ball away or look at the way, you know what I mean? To like everything had to be calculated where I I don't know that this was. And the reason I say that was because to be at the level Noah is right now, you have to be so freaking confident and so cocky that like you just say these things, right? And it's like, I don't think Noah thought that Kevin Durant and Drake and like all these people would be speaking on his quote when he said it. I think he has just gotten to the level right now where it's like on the verge of being huge in this sport i think that's just like where his confidence are right now and he's just like saying outlandish things and it's not like a calculated move to like get nba stars worked up i think it's just a 
a, a power play, a personal power play, right? Like he needs to keep building himself up and like he keeps the more confidence he keeps building up, like his superpowers keep growing. And, and I do think he wants to be like the spark plug within the sport. I don't, I, I just have a hard time believing that like, He's like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out and say these things, and all of a sudden, all these like mega superstars are gonna speak on it. It's just like th- these types of stars don't talk about track and field. It just doesn't happen. Um, and it, it it's clearly gone beyond the realm of like what we're used to. And it's like for these people to be this upset over something that track and field, it's like. Don't we have something better to do? Don't you have something else to get upset about? It's like, come on, like what? It's just like can we establish something first, Mike? It's wrong, right? It's it's a completely false statement. It's a false statement. Like the NBA champion isn't the world champion is ridiculous. And I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't even think he believes what he's saying. That's my whole point, Mike. Not even he believes that statement, and I think it's why it's so insane. it's coming from a, a place more of though, like he is like trying to be this like star in the sport where it's like, I'm on top of the world. Nobody can touch me. And like, you know I mean? Like my confidence is better than yours. I'm faster than you. Like try and come at me. Like I, I'm, I'm a better athlete than like people in other sports. But like, I, I, I think it's more of just like a, you know, like creating this image and like uh, be trying to become the superstar within his sport. I it, it I just, I can't imagine that he actually believed that he was going to get the attention of Kevin Durant when he made these comments. Like it just doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. That's why it's so weird to me. That's why it's so. It was like such a weird. I don't know. Like every time I watch the interview, because I've watched it so many times, just to make sure. I'm seeing it and I'm thinking about it clearly just because I, I've had a lot of opinions. I've talked with a lot of people about it, like I said, a bunch of times. But it's it's just the way he said it was just like – it was weird, man. It just felt awkward. It felt strange. And so they talked about it um, on part of my take, which, again, I guess win for getting – so th- I think this kind of illustrates why – how I feel about this, right? They talked about it on part of my take, so – win they're talking about no lyles they're talking about track and fields on part of my take but this is what they said they said this is track and field saying please 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 like my sport and that's what i feel like the takeaway is yes you're getting people to pay attention yes you're doing this but it's at what cost at what cost you're just making our sport look like a bunch of nerds that don't know what the nba is and don't know that the four Four of the seven best players in the NBA are international players, right? It, it just, it's stupid. And it's just making our sport look like nerds. But to Noah's point, at the same time. No, it doesn't have a point. Let's hold, stop hold saying on, hold on, hold on. But it doesn't have a point. If you're, if you're saying that he is saying this in jest and he doesn't know, and he knows that it's not really a fact, then he doesn't have a point. Well, well okay. Not to Noah's point, but to Noah's defense. What he just did in the world championship, nobody will truly be able to fathom. And if you like tried to put or compare it to something that somebody's done in well, the let, NBA, can I stop you? Yeah. 
Can I stop you? Because I, I want to bring that. No one can fathom what he's done or nobody can appreciate it. Did people fathom and appreciate what Usain Bolt was doing? That captured the world. That captured every athletic fan, yeah. every 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 sports fan, right? And he did it in a way of just being the coolest friggin' guy on the track, yeah. right? He did it in a way of letting his personality speak for himself. And I'm saying Noah Lyle doesn't he, – he's not Usain Bolt. He's obviously a very different personality. But what I'm saying, dude, is – let your personality speak for yourself. Don't resort to these cheap tactics to get eyeballs on the sport. It's but not it, worth it. For I guess you, that's where I disagree with you. Like eyeballs. I think he was just being his like cocky self. Like I don't think he was like in the moment thinking like, oh, this will be a good thing for the sport of track when I say this. I think he was just being a cocky guy. Like I think he was just being him. That's I don't know. I disagree. I disagree. I think he was trying to get a sound bite for the Netflix show. Whether the yeah, yeah, whether yeah. Was, maybe, whether it was maybe a sound bite. Was, he, he was trying to do it. Then, 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 Mike, he's he he was putting on an act. That was but like he one, couldn't that have was, predicted. That was not he couldn't have predicted it would get the attention that it did. There's no way he could have calculated it would get the attention that it did. So it got the attention it did because it was such a weird comment. That's my only. That's my entire argument, Mike. Yeah, but he says weird things all the time that nobody yeah, in the not world ever hears. Incorrect. That's an obviously incorrect statement. Ah, it did. National Basketball Association. I'm just saying, it says it in the title. You know, it's it's not like this deal. Yeah, all right. Maybe National have a Basketball point. Association. It's it's what it is. I don't know. I I just think we're we're we've made so many strides to make our sport more likable and more cool and like just be appreciated by like I he let me end on this. We're trying to make our sport be appreciated by sports fans, right? We need people outside of just the track nerds, just the you know the people that have running podcasts. Uh, we're trying to branch beyond that to get people that are are fans of sports in general to watch track and field. Like, you know, we we watch sports that we don't necessarily play or are diehard fans of, but we might enjoy. You know watching a playoff hockey game um you know we're 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 fans we're diehard fans of the celtics neither of us necessarily grew up playing basketball but like this is not going to get the average sports watcher sports fan interested in track and field it's going to do the opposite that's my whole argument and i'll, I'll end it on that and and I guess that's where we're just not because I, I uh, if that was the case, I agree with you. It's just like wh where I disagree is to me, this just felt like Noah being cocky. Yeah, maybe trying to get sound bites, but not with the intent of this didn't feel like a am trying to grow the sport with this statement. If that's what he was trying to do, then, yeah, I think he was doing it the wrong way. To me, it just felt like. I'm trying to be the spark plug Noah Lyles and I'm trying to get like a flashy comment out there and I'm trying to be cocky and confident. I I, I can't imagine. I can't, I, I refuse to believe that he had 
a plan for trying to get these types of eyeballs on it. And my last point is, Stephen, I was mentioned before we started recording, Giannis, who is an international player, just came to 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 Noah's side, said his quote was, I don't understand why this guy's getting so much backlash for saying an obvious thing. So he thinks he thinks it's obvious, Steve. He thinks he's he's on Noah's side. He understands that it's a then it's an obvious thing. So hey, listen, it is what it is. He's throwing those throwing those troll tweets out yeah. there to get people. <laughs> and, oh, I want to get in on this on this uh you know you know social media clout here. Um. Well, anyways, I, I've kind of been putting off talking about it. I just didn't want to talk about it because I love Noah and I should, we should be glowing about this. And I'm just about his double gold. And I just, I just feel very weird about it. Right. I don't know. Speaking of, speaking of putting off talking about things, we've put it off for three weeks. We've put it off for like an hour and 15 minutes on this podcast. I don't want to go race by race. I don't want to break down every single second, but we should probably address the elephant in the room of, uh, you know, you talked about like how, you know, we've been busy and all that's, and that's all that's true, but also there's some things we need, <laughs> we need to address with the world championships. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I had an incredible start to the week and you can go back and listen to the last podcast and you can hear, about how incredible of a week it was. But that came crashing down real quick. And as good of a week as I had to start, I had that bad of a week to end it. So, and the uh, good news is, is we didn't lead listeners too far astray because a lot of the really bad stuff was scram- last minute scrambling that we were doing that- via, via our group text, which is never a good way to... To, to but try that's and... but that's also part of it, Mike. It's part right? of it. It's part I of mean, it. that's part of that's part of the allure of of like the the gambling on a, a a drawn out event like that, right? If I'm not scrambling to make masters bets on on yes. Sunday afternoon, if I'm not if I'm not you know throwing hail marys at the end of March Madness, if I'm not eight uh, o'clock, the, you know, the give me Sunday night bet. football game, yep. Sunday night football. If I'm not trying to make my money back on the second half of Sunday night football, then why do we do it? You know what I mean? That that's where you get the thrill. I mean, nobody wants to walk away with a bunch of money. Like, what fun is that? <laughs> well, it all started when we started when the whole um, when Jakob started talking about how he wasn't feeling good in the 1500, and we got all pissed off at him, and we decided to cash out our Jakob bets. And throw that money elsewhere. That was that was the beginning of the uh, end for us. Yeah, that was the yeah, beginning. Well, no, of the- no, no, no. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end was the fact that I was looking at like four parlays, and I'm like, I'm gonna hit all of these parlays, and the women's four by four, which was guaranteed, dropped the friggin' handoff and ruined all of my parlays. That was bad. That was the beginning of the end. That was bad. And that then, was terrible. That was so bad because I couldn't like we had we had these these 
crazy standout favorites that we put in parlays so we could cheer from like Mondo Duplantis. I wasn't able to enjoy his gold because that would have been the finisher on several of my parlays if the women's four by four didn't drop the friggin' baton. You know what I mean? So it's like I didn't yeah, I, I watched Mondo, but I didn't care. Like whereas that would have been a big celebration for me when he walked away with gold. Um so that was that was terrible. And then I think the dagger in the heart to all of us was Mo. Right. I mean, that Mo Mo is the ultimate scramble because things were not going good. We had made some poor decisions. We were we were pressing a little bit, but like we decided, okay, we're we're having a bad time out here. Um, we we made some bad decisions, but the good news is is we still have Mo. Let's get it back on Mo. So so we pushed the chips back in on Mo. And pushed all the chips in. Pushed that, all the chips in on that, that. I was on tilt. There's a yeah, I was on tilt. I was on tilt big time. So <laughs> I uh I was up I was up big. I went from being up big to up a little, and I decided to put that up a little on Mo. And uh yeah, it didn't work out. So no. we didn't I'm not getting a I'm not getting a, a check from DraftKings, but better luck next year. But he, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've learned how to bet, you know, certain sports in certain events. I'm learning that when you're betting on track and field, you kind of have to, you have to sit down. You have to be ca- very calculated with your bets beforehand. Look for a couple opportunities to sneak stuff in, but you kind of have to ride your plan out for the track meet. You can't take it event by event. You got to be calculated. You got to be smart. Yep. And I say that, and I will not do that next year. I promise you that. But I mean, that's that's not just with track and field. That's all sports. It, yeah. If it, it's when you deviate from the plan, is when things get ugly, and we we deviate <laughs> deviated from the plan. A few I mean, times. Mo went down. Um, our boy Hopple got boxed in, and he wasn't able to get out, and he, yeah. he just didn't have any chance down the home stretch. Um. Let's see what else. What else we got? Um, I mean, the men's four by one terrible handoffs, but they still mm-hmm. come away with gold somehow. Um, trying to think what else here. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that it kind of sums it up. I don't know. It was much more excited on the last world uh, world championships podcast. It was still a great world championships. We uh, if it wasn't for us pressing. Hey, no. Yeah, wasn't for us pressing every everything I said on last podcast about how entertaining and how great this world championships was. I stand behind all that. I mean, I think it was it was an incredible world championships for the sport. And I am very entertained. I'm very encouraged um, by the sport going forward after that world championship. As long as our star athletes don't keep picking fights with NBA players. (laughs) That's fair. Um, all right. Oh, Mike, our boy, we got to talk about our boy. Uh, uh we're gonna, we're gonna kind of do uh, another sport crossover and connect it to track and field. But our boy, Ben Shelton, tennis player. Um, oh, yes, want to yeah. talk about winning us some money. Guy won us some money all the way up through the uh, through the you know, through the U.S. Open tennis tournament. Um, and uh, he he won heading into the semifinals. And he did the, you know, the phone celebration. He put the phone up to his ear and hung it, hung it up. And then they asked him why he does that celebration. And he said he's boys with Grant Holloway. 
who does the who does the phone call after he wins uh wins uh wins track races. Um, so that was like super cool. And then what is, you know, what is the, his connection the next to night? Djokovic kind of. Oh. Hello, am I losing yep. you? Yeah. What, what what is his connection to Grant? Did did they say? Did they was did, was he a, is he a Florida guy? Yeah, so he's a Florida guy. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so he's, he's boys with Grant Holloway, and so he kind of did that as like to you know pay respect to I love the world that. champion. And then and then did you see what Djokovic did when he went three straight sets on him? No. Did he give him the phone? Well, he he gave him the phone, and then he slammed it down. <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's what you get. And that's it's well deserved by Joker. But I do think yeah. I do think uh Shelton is could end up being a legitimate force in the tennis world. Not that anybody wants to hear us to talk about that. Oh, I think I think he's my guy. I think he's my guy now. I love big serves. That's like my thing. When I watch tennis, I like seeing big serves. I like seeing like creative um you know creative uh you know uh you know rally points i don't like just seeing smashing cross court back and forth i like seeing you know putting a little cut on it changing direction that's why i love i love watching curious because he's got a big serve and he's creative out there and uh you know i think ben ben shelton might be my uh, my new guy so yeah and like for all the tennis fans out there we're gonna become a tennis podcast now in in the one match i watched with you at the j peak bar it's like he is wildly talented does things that are like holy crap hits the ball a billion miles an hour has every skill you could want in a tennis player but it's just super immature and young and uh but the, like those are fixable things right like as yeah. this dude matures and becomes you know a little bit more disciplined the 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 talent is insane okay we'll stop talking tennis now <laughs> Um, anything else you want to, you want to talk about Mike tonight? Uh, quick shout out, shout out Mo Farah, legend retired. Uh, Kanesa Bekele got one more race. He's retiring. Shout out to him too. Another legend, even though we never got to see the Bekele, uh, Kipchoge showdown. So I'm still kind of holding a grudge against that. Yeah, that's bullshit. Um, I feel like I had one more thing I wanted to shout out quickly. See. Oh, I have I have one more talk. I have one more topic written down. I want to pull it up just to make sure I have the correct story. Hold on. It is I cross read country. a headline. What'd you say? It is cross country season, so shout out to that. Oh, 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 Steve, while you're looking that up, uh, shout out to Mike Mahome for oh, his yeah. two thousandth cross country meet. That's uh, you know, legend of the game. If you know, you know. We don't have to explain that to you if you're if you're listening, if you don't know who Mike Mahone is. Then you know I don't think you're a, a true cross country fan. Well, at least not a true Massachusetts cross country fan. <laughs> um. All right. So I have a story. I have a headline here. Um. Okay. So <laughs> I'm gonna read a headline to you, Mike. Eleven thousand runners disqualified from the Mexico City Marathon for cheating. <laughs> so, in a field of of thirty thousand runners, eleven thousand of those runners took public transportation. This this is an affair topic to bring up in in the last minutes of a podcast, Steve. 
<laughs> I need I need 30 minutes. I need 30 minutes on this topic. <laughs> what? <laughs> of the 30,000 that entered the race on August 27th, 11,000 did not compete the requ- uh, did not complete the required distance after tracking data showed some bypassing entry sections of the 26.2 mile course. So they 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 looked into all of this and they determined that 11,000 people used uh public transportation. That just can't be true. (laughs) Apparently there was a lot of people, a lot of people. And, and as I'm scrolling down, I'm just kind of scrolling through the article. 6,000 people were disqualified in 2017. So this race has a serious, serious problem that they need to get on top of ASAP. All right. I think I've decided I'm coming (laughs) out of retirement from marathoning and I will be traveling to the Mexico city marathon. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, 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 about to, I'm about to run a sick pr <laughs> which is a wild wild headline I don't, I don't understand that oh man i love it we need to get our uh our investigative what was that that like, website that investigates marathon fraud oh yeah 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 we oh to get them plugged into this do they do international trips i'm sure we could get them to okay Let's let's send them over there because I need more information. I need I need I need the dirty details. For sure. All right, Mike, let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell lap? Yeah, so New England sports. That's what we talk about at this this segment of the night. Uh Heim Bloom fired from the Red Sox, which makes me uh question everything I've ever felt or said about the Red Sox in the past year. Uh, but on a brighter we could, note, we could, we could go on for an hour. Cause yeah. I feel like I, this could be a Red Sox podcast. It was a tennis podcast. Now it's a Red Sox podcast, but I feel like I'm the only one defending Heim right now. I, I, I don't know. Defending Heim. No, no, I'm, I think I'm defending him too. I think my point is, Oh, it, my whole point is I was in on the Red Sox because I felt like there was a vision. Yeah. And I felt like despite the fact of the current performance, I could see the vision. Me but too. If, but if we are firing high and bloom, then that tells me that there was no vision or That's at least true. the team did not believe in the vision. So everything that I have hung my hat on for the last two years is irrelevant. Three years, the past three years don't mean, but, I mean, we suffered for nothing. Yes. That's, that's how I feel. Uh, but on the brighter note, uh, we all know I'm a Mac Jones guy. Mac Jones, besides the first half of the first quarter, I think looked like a NFL professional quarterback who can win playoff games. Well, we need him to play all quarters. So we need him to play. Yep. You say he played a poor eighth of a game. We need him to play all eighths of, eighths of the game well. Yes. So. Yep. Yep, we'll get there. Uh, on my bell lap, Mike, are you paying attention to Deion Sanders and what's happening in Colorado at all? I am, yes. So I, growing up, I had on my wall the only non-Boston sports poster I had on my wall was Deion Sanders. I, I didn't, I didn't I, know that, to be I honest. I love Deion Sanders. And what he is doing at Colorado – I think is one of the coolest stories in the history of the of, of just of sports. 
right? You have this guy that is one of the greatest of all time, considered the greatest of all time at his position, is coming out of nowhere and rebuilding uh, a D1 football program. His son is is the starting quarterback, and he's like a Heisman candidate. Which and he's is crazy. crazy. I mean, the whole thing is just unbelievable. The it way is- he, the way he, like, has changed the way you, talk, like, a coach can talk. Yeah, and the uh, way, just the way, the way you coach in general, and the way that you communicate with your team, like every single, and part of it is he has this whole production, you know, essentially studio that follows him and puts in social media, and it's part of you know why he's so popular. And every single time he talks to his team, I am locked in. I watch every single video because I watch it and I get so inspired, and I'm like so impressed with how he's going about coaching and how he's doing it in a way that nobody else has done. I'm fascinated by this guy. And I think it is one of the coolest things going. Well, and like you talk about a lot of these, like, you know, massive, massive programs. And I think the coaches matter. I think there's a lot of things that matter, but at the end of the day, like the legacy of the program will always drive recruits. Right. So it's like, the Alabamas, the LSUs, the all these SEC teams, it's like this legacy is there. So it's like I could be the head coach of some of those teams and be able to – I could be head of recruiting and I could get people to Alabama, right? It's not that hard to get people to get Alabama. It's like, well, Dion has walked in the door, kicked open the doors, and has like – made people want to made like huge recruits want to come to the school and play for the school for no other reason but to play for him and it's like i get it like i get like it makes perfect sense to me but that is revolutionary nobody no coach has ever been able to take a program like that and just like be the sole reason the sole reason that all of a sudden these five stars wants to like flood the gates of of a program and within like two games, three games, I guarantee you there's high schoolers watching it like you are, Steve, who are like, oh yeah, that's where I want to be. I want to go, do I want to go to like, you know, Blue Bud, Alabama, and just get grilled every single day by this angry Nick Saban? Or do I want to go play for Coach Prime? (laughs) And, you know, and come walking out onto the field, you know, blasting Yin Yang twins wearing my sunglasses. (laughs) Like, that's freaking awesome. (laughs) I don't know, man. I love it. Um, it, it, I can't get enough of it. I'm, I'm, I'm hook, line, and sinker, Colorado. Like, I'm just. I don't even know if like I'm a Colorado fan. Like I'm I'm a Deion Sanders fan. I'm just like fascinated by what this guy's doing. So it's pretty cool. So I wanted to bring that up. Anyways, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the jokes. Josie's on-